now, St. William's, um, St. William's Chapel is a site which has um, interested me uh, for several years, for kind of many years, really. And the first um, question I hear you ask is, whereabouts is it? So we look at some maps. Yes, hope you can see this. This is an Ordnance Survey map. This is, this is the 1883 Ordnance Survey map. No, the 1887 Ordnance Survey map. And Mousehold Heath is just, is just kind of northeast of Norwich, which, which is this, uh, this kind of area up here. But you want, obviously, uh, to go in a bit kind of closer than that. So, uh, so there, I think you can see it's almost like a... It's almost like a slice of pizza, isn't it, really? Mm -hmm. A mousehole heath in that, uh, that way. If we go forward, uh, there you see Mark, the site of St. William's Chapel. And it's showing, uh, it's showing kind of stones at each of the corners. That's because the map is um, 1887, which is the date that the marker stones were put in. But if you look at a map of 1883, there it is again, with no stones at the corners. If you look, <laughs> the next slides will show you what you actually see if you go up and visit the site. So this is what you see. Yes, it's a sunny day, as you'd expect. Um, and what you can see in the corner here is one of the four marker stones. This is the northwest uh, west and corner of the site. And so there's the marker stone, and it's standing in a ditch. And so you have, you have um, ditches and quite low banks. It's a bit difficult to, to work it out since the ditches have been filled up and the banks have been kind of degraded. So in the southwest uh, corner you have another of these markers of 1887 which is standing in a ditch and there's another one in the southeast corner. And so this is what you see, you see a number of, of, of low ditches and banks and pits and it's a bit difficult to actually understand the site without a plan and luckily Brian and Cushion several years ago he drew an earthworks plan of the site but before <laughs> we reach that we've got another slide here which is a slide of mousehold Heath. I think as it was, uh, as it was in 1589. This is the 1589 Mousehold map, and it's marking the chapel as a little church. Although uh, by that date the church wouldn't have been there. It, it would have been um, it, it would have been just some some um, low kind of foundations left after the destruction of the chapel. But it has some interesting words there, which I don't expect you, um, apart from you, you people in the front, you probably 
can't read, so I've I've got them here. It says um, St. William in the Wood, where it is said that in time past an infant named William was buried, whom the Jews had crucified in the city of Norwich upon a Good Friday in contempt of Christianity. Now these days um, we don't believe anymore that the Jews um, crucified William. We don't think that's a story at all. But it's what people believed at that time and what they believed, uh, I think, until quite recently. This is an early, is an early kind of plan of the site, a more, more kind of scientific, a more kind of diagrammatic plan by a famous Norfolk antiquary, antiquary called um, John uh, Kirkpatrick. So this is in 1720. And you can see here that it's basically, um, it's like a rectangle with a rectangle in the middle with some extra, extra kind of banks which are joining, if you like, the inner rectangle and this outer rectangle. And what he's done is he's got this labelling system. He's got his um, A, B, C, D, E, and F. And he calls it a plan of the churchyard and, uh, and precinct of the chapel of St. William in the Wood. And so he's marking in the middle where he says the chapel stood. He also, interestingly, in respect of E, he says that's where... Um, he says it's probably the place where the priest's house and garden stood. We'll move on next to this more modern plan. This is Brian and Cushion's Earthworks plan of 2010, which again looks similar to, to um, Kirkpatrick's plan but it's on um, a much more modern and kind of scientifically based uh, kind of system. And what it's showing, it's showing kind of ditches and banks. It's showing, it's showing a ditch which goes all the way around it, and it's showing this interior area, like an interior uh, kind of rectangle, and it's showing a number of, um, as we call them, humps and bumps. It looks a bit of a muddle in the middle. It's showing those in the central area, and it's showing some more kind of modern, um, modern stuff here. There's um, uh, there's a 19th century pit, and an early 20th century kind of railway cutting here. And this chap is uh, Francis Bloomfield. He's he's um, famous as an 18th century kind of antiquarian of Norfolk, and he wrote a famous history of Norfolk. And it tends to be a Bloomfield that people look at to find out the history of Norwich. And this is what looking at Bloomfield looks like. So that's the page of Bloomfield 
which talks about this particular site. But, so you don't have to read all that. I've done a summary of what Bloomfield said. And so he's saying that um, in about, in about um, 1066, um, a uh, chapel was built on the site dedicated uh, to St. Catherine. And he's saying that uh, sometime after 1144, that chapel was re-consecrated in honour of St. William. Um, and he also says that a cell of monks attached to the cathedral priory lived uh, by the chapel. Many pilgrims visited the chapel and the chapel continued until the, um, until the dissolution of the priory in 1538 when it was um, demolished. But there's another chapel that, uh, that was very close by dedicated to the translation of St. Thomas Becket. And the translation means the movement of his bones from the crypt of Canterbury Cathedral to, to a very ornate shrine behind the um, high altar of Canterbury Cathedral. So what we're um, thinking about is not just St. William. We're thinking about three saints. We're thinking about, first of all, uh, first of all St. Catherine. St. Catherine um, is something of a mythical figure who was who's first referred to in the 9th century, although uh, the myth is, is set in the 4th century. In the 9th century, um, I think her body was found near the foot of the Mount Sinai, which is in Egypt. And she died... Um, aged, according to the legend, when she was 17 or 18. And you've probably heard of the manner of her death, in that she was attached to a spiked wheel. You can see her holding the wheel. She was a royal kind of princess, and so, which is why she's crowned. She was a virgin, she was unmarried, which is why her, her hair is hanging loose. She was attached um, to, to a wheel, a spiked wheel, but I think she touched it and the wheel broke, and so, and so she was unbeheaded. She was, um, she was uh, persecuted because she uh, became a Christian. And so this, as I've said, is a 15th century kind of image of St. Catherine that used to be in Framingham Earl Church. We have another. She's um, saints are, are often associated in in uh, in pictures. They're represented by the manner of their deaths, the the manner of their kind of martyrdom, which is why she's always seen holding a wheel. And we think of the Catherine wheel at at, um, at the time of Guy Fawkes, and she's holding the sword because she was beheaded. If we look forward, we have another image of St. Catherine, if you can see her. She's in the middle, and she's, and she's got a crown, and she's got long hair, hair, hair hanging loose, and she's holding a wheel. 
And this image it comes from the um, Royal Chapel at Norwich Castle. It's a 19th century drawing of what you can see now upstairs in Norwich Castle and it dates from the 13th century. So, so the second saint is St. William. And he was born, it's thought, in 1132. Uh, he died in 1144. And he died when he was just 12. And all we know for sure, I think, about him is that um, he was found murdered on Mousehold Heath. That according to the the um, the legend that was written, kind of some years later, maybe kind of ten years later, um, he was he was um, tortured. His head was wounded with thorn pricks. He was nailed to a cross, and he was wounded in his left side, and the wound went up to his heart and so it's, it's similar to the way that Christ died and that was the kind of parallel which is why the symbols of St William this is the earliest representation of St William which was originally in um, St John Mademarca it's now in the uh, Victorian Albert Museum um, it shows him holding three nails and it shows a hammer, and so the hammer and nails are the manner of his death. It's thought that the nails, uh, nails in his head were added kind of later on, and are not part of the kind of 1450 representation of St. William. As I said, um, about, uh, um, about kind of 10 years after his death, I think he died, and there was... Um, and, and his family blamed the Jews, blamed the local Jews in Norwich, but that was looked into by the Norwich authorities and they didn't think it was true. And so the whole matter was laid to, uh, to rest until the 1150s when it was, um, it, it, it was investigated, well, it was investigated by a monk who came up from, from Wales called Thomas of Monmouth. Um, and he, he, in a way, he was, in a way, Norwich was looking to have a saint, because that's what we haven't got. So William is sometimes, he's called the Norwich saint. And I think it was thought that if Norwich had a, if Norwich had a saint, um, it would, it would, uh, boost the income and boost the wealth of the cathedral. And so he made up a kind of standard saint-type story, as there was a standard martyrdom story which you would tell. Um, and uh, this is the first kind of page of that story. And there's another representation of St. William which, which doesn't show up that well, but... Um, He's holding a sword, which, which he's holding in his hand, that goes up like that. And that comes from St. James Pockthorpe, 
which is now the Puppet Theatre. The third image we have of him is is an image of um, or um, it's it's like a broken kind of pilgrim badge, because when you visited um, shrines, um, you would want to kind of buy something. So the shrine, if you like, would have a kind of gift shop attached to it, and you'd buy. For St. William, this is the only kind of pilgrim badge which has been found, which is the lower part of the pilgrim badge, and it says on it says St. William, which I don't think you can read, and it's showing some bare legs or the lower half of some bare legs standing in a vat. And what the, what this is all about, I think, it's showing William's trade. And William was an apprentice tanner. And, uh, and uh, kind of tanning was a very kind of dirty business. And, uh, and maybe boys and apprentices who were involved in, in tanning were involved in kind of cleaning the, um, uh, cleaning the skins. Um, and you clean skins using urine. So uh, probably animal urine, but who knows. Um, and so this is what is being uh, depicted here. There's a third saint associated with the site, which was the last um, saint mentioned in that Bloomfield extract we were looking at. It's St Thomas Beckett. Now, while, um, while William and, and St Catherine were, were teenagers when they were martyred, um, Thomas Beckett was 52. And as you know, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury. He had been great friends with Henry the the Second, who'd who'd made him um, his Lord Chancellor. But when um, when Thomas was made was made kind of Archbishop, he was often at odds and often arguing with the King because he was very much standing up for the church and the clergy. And Henry got rather kind of sick of him and, and so he had to go into exile. And when he came back, because maybe of a misunderstanding, maybe not, some knights of the king marched into, his, marched into Canterbury Cathedral and murdered him there. Um, and one of them, uh, using his sword, obviously, glanced off the top of his cranium. And if you look at this picture here, you can see the four knights with the arms of their kind of families displayed. And you can nearly see, and you can just see kind of Thomas here standing at the altar, or rather kneeling at the altar with his priest behind and obviously uh, by this point he's had his his kind of might has been knocked off this is the wall painting which used to which was uh, discovered in the 19th century in the church at Eton in St Andrew's church Eton but after it was discovered and and after and after uh, copies were made 
it was whitewashed over. But because they used 19th century whitewash, they seem to have destroyed the painting. This is another painting which comes from one of the kind of Burlingham churches. And you can see one of the knights seems to be cutting into the top of his head there. Now, the, the um, story of the death of, of uh, Thomas Beckett, um, he became a very popular saint. And the story is very, is very graphic. Because it's so graphic, it didn't exactly make good, uh, good kind of television, but what it made was good drama. And so there's stories, uh, and it's clear that at the, at the St. William's Chapel site, where there was a chapel to St. Thomas, that um, they had plays there. And they would have had plays about the life of Beckett, because Beckett led, because Beckett led such a dramatic life and because of the manner of his death. This is a pilgrim badge associated with, um, with St. Thomas Becket, and it was, found, it was found, I think, in King's Lynn it was found, maybe when they were dredging the river. And it's in the form of a little ship. And, and what it's showing is it's showing the, the um, it's a ship associated with the return of Becket from his exile in France before he returned to Canterbury in 1170, just before he was murdered. And there would have been a... Um, it's, it's a badge in the form of an ampulla, which is like a little pocket, in which there would have been a drop of, of holy water from the shrine of Thomas Becket and you would have worn this in your hat or whatever. As my researchers have involved spending a long time, in fact, at the Norfolk Heritage Centre here, looking at old um, documents which were kept by officers of the Cathedral Priory. And they're in Latin, as you can see. And this is the Almoner's Roll of um, 1489 or 1490. And what it's, uh, what it's really uh, telling you about is, to, is telling you about a major, uh, a major kind of rebuilding of the chapels of St. Thomas and St. William around this time. There's lots of interesting um, information in it. But it says, for instance, it says in it, to John Orntel for renewing the passion of St. Thomas, the passion of St. William, and the passion of St. Saviour. What that is talking about is talking about the renewing and repainting of, of kind of wall paintings in the chapels. And it's likely that um, the, um, uh, the passion is the is kind of martyrdom, is the suffering and death. And the reference to St. Saviour is a reference to Christ, so this is Christ on the cross, and parallels were drawn between uh, the death of William and the death of Christ. And so these two paintings were probably in the, in the um, 
St. William's Chapel. So I've been through over a hundred of these roles. It took me a long time. And I was recording what they said about offerings received at the chapel and what they said about, about expenditure. It's really about kind of income, income, income and expenditure accounts is what they are. Um, I could mention this one of kind of 1390 here where it says if I just translate it it says it says at St William's Chapel in making a door broken by robbers so obviously uh, robbery was a problem for this isolated chapel kind of 18 pence in a new um, a new lock with a key to the same door on 20 pence and you're digging out the ditches two shillings and eight pence so I've tried to summarise on here what I think the um, what I think a reasonable kind of summary of the history of the site is so we start with the murder of William, who, who as I said, is, uh, was a 12-year-old apprentice tanner whose body was found on the heath. And his body was found on that site, on the site where the chapel was built. Then we had, um, uh, in the 1150s, kind of six, seven, eight years later, we had uh, Thomas of Monmouth, a monk, was working on an account. He was working on, he was kind of spinning, he was getting stories from people, he was making stuff up. Um, and, uh, and he was circulating an initial version of his account. Um, uh, William's body, it only stayed up on the heath about a month. After, uh, after that time, it went to Norwich, uh, cathedral where there was a series of shrines and miracles were reported and his cult at least in the 1150s was very popular and the cathedral obtained land on, 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 on Mouse Old Heath where they seem to have built two chapels either two separate chapels or two chapels within the same building and they built chapels dedicated to St. Catherine and St. William. Then, in several years later, in 1390, the whole site seems to have been extended, and a third chapel was built dedicated to St. Thomas Becket. And the, the new chapels looked after by the Priory and a religious guild called the um, dedicated to St Thomas Becker and the new chapel was very popular it, it, it was soon much more popular than the St William's Chapel or the, or the St Catherine's Chapel those two chapels at least by um, 1400 were only producing income of maybe one shilling or kind of two shillings a year, whereas St Thomas's Chapel w w was producing income of maybe 20 shillings or 30 shillings a year. 
um, they had special kind of celebrations at the chapel on, on its annual on the annual Guild Day, which was the seventh of, of July, which is the day when they celebrated the um, translation of the bones of St Thomas, and there was and there were prayers in the chapel. There were plays held up there, and there was feasting. There's, uh, there's mention in the records of a great cauldron that was given to St Thomas's Guild. And I like to think of the great uh, cauldron as, as what was used to provide some kind of refreshment for uh, people who gathered on the Guild Day. Extensive uh, repair work and maybe um, a kind of rebuilding of the chapels of St William and, and St Thomas in 1490. By that date, St Catherine's Chapel had gone. But in the 1530s, and almost quite kind of suddenly in the 1530s, um, as, as Reformation ideas took hold, kind of offerings at, uh, at the chapels dwindled and ceased, and the chapels were um, demolished. And the land was used for the grazing of sheep, and then in 1887, the stone posts were added to mark the corners of the site. And we can have a look at a map at the plan, Brian and um, Cushion plan. So this is what I think, um, this is a way of kind of labelling what's happening on the site. So in the, in the central uh, rectangle, I think you have... St William's Chapel here, St Catherine's Chapel to, 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 to the north, and then you had the, an extension of the site, so you had this, uh, um, this outer ditch and these two other areas, kind of arriving in about 1390. And St Thomas's Chapel, I think, was here, which is why Kirkpatrick identified it as the place where the priest's house was. And uh, this enclosure here looks as if it's an access way because you had to uh, maintain a right of way to the um, central area. So if you want to um, learn more about this and you and you feel like a detailed read, um, you can look in the library or you can join the Norfolk and Norwich Archaeological Society and subscribe. And what I've said, but in much more de detail, appears in the uh, 2016 edition of Norfolk Archaeology. So, has anybody any questions? Any questions on this? Maybe, yeah, at the back. You have yeah. Yeah, uh, I've got two really linked questions. Yeah. Um, did he really exist? <laughs> oh, right. William. And yeah. um, if he did, where did his relics end up? Were they under the chapel? Were they in the cathedral? Um, it's thought he really existed, yeah. 
Mm -hmm. It's thought he really existed. It's strange when you say he's an infant, and when they say he's 12 years old, that seems a bit old. Mm -hmm. Well, he was an apprentice, he was well, kind of working. Well, we've got independent evidence of that. Well, uh, as you have to some, somehow uh, pick and choose as you go through mm -hmm. Thomas and Monmouth's account. His relics um, went to the um, uh, cathedral, and there was a shrine in the c cathedral which went to the Reformation, mm -hmm. went in 1538, when such things were kind of outlawed. Somehow he had um, he'd, he'd died for Christianity's sake. Um, Has there any evidence of these miracles, or is it only one person saying? Um, well, they were believed at the time, <laughs> as we wouldn't believe they were true but uh, they were believed at the time as people uh, people lived in a different world then really and people were it's very much I think you get what you think you're going to get you get what you're expecting you get what you believe in it's a very story it's a very strange story yes yes it does show that there was anti-semitism about at that time and it's and it's sometimes it's regarded as the first instance of what they call the blood libel, which is the um, which is the the start of the false accusations against the Jews that they would murder a Christian boy and use his blood in their rituals. But um, so, sorry, yeah. Yeah, can you relate the position of the site to modern day household? If we were to try and look for it, what road would we need to go up? You would go, you would go, um. But Gurney Road is on the road. Yeah, I mean, there's Gurney Road and there's Mousel Lane at the top. There's Mousel Lane and Gurney Road. Yeah. And it's near the kind of junction of the two, mm -hmm. in that kind of corner. It's near to, uh, near to what used to be a football pitch called the. Wingfield Sports Ground. Mm -hmm. It's nearly opposite. It's on the opposite side of the road to the memorial cottages. Do you know where they might be? Um, I've been there a few years back and I couldn't find it. 
Yes, I've heard that lots of people have tried to. Uh, not, not the grandstand side. No. No. It's the not the grandstand side, side, it's the other the side. side. It's towards Mouseau Lane. It's quite near the road. Right. It's quite near Mouseau Lane. If you went along, if you went on, went along Mouseau Lane uh, towards West, towards Southhouse Road, uh, you know the Southhouse Road, the kind of Gurney Road, Hartsey Lane, the kind of crossroads there. It's it's you go along Mouseau Lane and just before you reach Gurney Road, it's like a hundred metres from the junction with Gurney Road. And it's near a playing field. I don't know if it's still used as a playing field. But there's an open space there which used to be called the Wingfield Sports Field. What sort of signs were we talking about when they were when they were first built, you know, were they large chapels? Well, because the site hasn't been excavated yet. No. Um, so, as what we're thinking of, we're thinking of um, small, small churches without towers, but maybe with a bell cot. There's a mention of a bell, so it must be a bell cot. Um, and it seems, as, as I said, the chapels were rebuilt. In about kind of thirteen, in about fourteen ninety. Right. But I mean, imagine a very small version of the Nazar House. Do you know the Nazar House at all? Right. And so it's very much a church without a tower, and probably and without aisles. And so it's quite small. Maybe about the size of this room, but maybe a bit shorter. Yeah. Is there any more questions? Okay. All right. Thank you. I hope you found it interesting.